From Columbia, South Carolina, I'm Ward Jotliff. And I'm Erin Slowey. This is Head Start from Garnet Media Group. Coming up on this week's episode, USC is going head-to-head against Clemson in the Six Feet Closer Gratitude Challenge. This global program aims to personally thank frontline workers with a unified message of support. Student Body Vice President Hannah White will join us later to talk more about what you can do for the challenge. Also, we'll be taking a closer look at how some students have been affected by the movement to online classes and the cancellation of many large gatherings. Lily Hyderi from USC's theater department joins us to talk about how they've been grappling with the lack of audience. And later on, first-generation student Lyric Swinton talks about how she and others have been affected by the cancellation of graduation. All that and more on this week's episode of Head Start. The coronavirus pandemic changed the way many people work. While some transitioned to work remotely, the frontline workers continued to care for the sick and battle the coronavirus in hospitals. USC is taking part in a campaign to help thank these workers. The Six Feet Closer Gratitude Challenge is a way for you to show your appreciation for these frontline workers, and it only takes 45 seconds. You can also nominate a frontline worker that you want to receive a message of support. Hannah White is here to talk with us about how students can help. So Hannah, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Well, and also thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Of course, anytime. You always know. Our talks are always great, Erin, so. <laughs> yeah, so talk to me a little bit about what Six Feet Closer is. Yes, so Six Feet Closer is a global pa- platform that allows any individual or person to send in personalized thank you videos to frontline workers. So the videos are 45 seconds. It takes no more than approximately two minutes to sign up, make the videos, and upload them. And um, it's just a great and easy way to make an impact on someone who is dedicating a lot of their time in somewhat putting their health on the line to help others in need. So, yeah. yeah so why did you choose to have USC embark on this campaign? So six feet closer, the um, students, they're actually college students um, that came up with this platform, but they actually reached out to student government, specifically Dr. Edwards, and then Dr. Edwards relayed the information back to student government. And of course, me being over programming and initiatives, I was like, I got this one, guys. I can, we can do this. And so um, we met originally just to have the University of South Carolina just um, be a part of it, but it was just going to be USC and USC only. Then, um, long story short, we were like, this could probably be even bigger and better, and it would incentivize the student body if, of course, we incorporate Clemson. So, um, we brought Clemson into the play, and they were on board, and we decided to come up with uh, Carolina versus Clemson, Who, which school can um, make the most videos for frontline workers. I know that it's summer, <laughs> so it's like, okay, a lot of things typically stop right now, but I feel like this is a different era to where we can do stuff like this right now. I mean, we've kind of been out of the loop when it comes to not being on campus since March, so I feel like a lot of students are, one, just dying to be a part of something bigger than themselves, make an impact, but also just feel some type of connection to the student body. And so I feel like this was a great opportunity to do so. Um, We actually, this is a big collaborative effort. So yes, it was 
first put on by student government uh, kind of took it on, but I knew that it would have to incorporate everyone in the student body. So getting even student organizations to send videos and promote it on their social media. Um, I'm excited. We have different days next week that we're targeting different um, groups at USC. So whether it's alumni, we got those North Carolina Alumni Association involved, faculty, staff, but um, most importantly, students and student organizations. So it's one thing for y'all to see me all the time saying or doing whatever I'm doing, but it's like, okay, I know everyone gets tired of me at times, but seeing student leaders, other faces on campus where any and everyone can relate to someone who is um, standing up for this, I think that would um, make a bigger impact. So very excited, May 25th to 29th. <laughs> yeah, so how can students really get involved with this? So we, um, I sent it to a lot of student leaders um, for their organization. So closer to time around Sunday, Monday, they should be sending that stuff out through their um, networks and platforms, as well as we are going to be posting a lot on um, our social media, personal, as well as student government and different outlets. Um, and so all it is, it's just a simple two-minute process. We're going to post on Sunday the instructions on how to make the videos. Simple four steps of how to sign up. You just basically sign up, get a text. The text will have the frontline worker's name, occupation, and where they're from. You can simply record the um, video on your phone and then upload it to a link that they also sent to a text. And there you go. They also, um, which I love about it, but they have a platform to where it updates you on where your video is. Like, it's been reviewed. It's now being sent to so-and-so. So-and-so watch your video, and they want to send you back a quick thank you. It's very engaging, um, and so simple and engaging. That's how students can really, really make an impact. In addition to making videos, in the process, it also encourages um, students to, or whoever is trying to make a video, if they want to send it to a friend. So if they want to nominate a friend to also make a video. So the more, the better. If you want to nominate someone else to make a video, please nominate someone else to make a video. As well as if you know a frontline worker, you also have the um, opportunity to um, send in their information so that they can receive a video. So it's a give-take type of um type of situation i actually sent in my uncle he's a fire marshal and so i nominated him to get a thank you video and then i got a text from him saying thank you i just got my video from six feet closer from someone in new york i believe um but it really didn't make his day so those three things are great um we're going to be promoting a lot of graphics and things so it's simple as either Direct message me, text message me, email me, or even screenshotting the graphics and posting it. Um, there's never too much. So if you can just screenshot whatever you want to screenshot that you see around, um, that is great and promote that as well. But it really is a collaborative effort and it can't be done without everyone being on board. Yeah, so you kind of touched on it a little bit and the nominating process. How are frontline workers going to be able to see these videos? Yes, so... Basically, the only how we get frontline workers or how the platform gets frontline workers is through nominations. So without people nominating, then they don't get the information. So it's through personal connections. So, for example, from my uncle, um, I just sent in. It's simple as sending in their name, occupation, and just their um, phone number or email. 
um, you can choose which one. And um, it, there's a privacy policy on the platform's website as well, so they do not do anything with regards to that information, as, um, no more than just send them the videos. But that's how it works. So um, as people nominate, people also send in videos to those nominations, if that makes sense. So really... It goes hand in hand. So please, if you make a video for a front worker, also nominate another one so another one can get touched. Yeah, so did you have any goals going into this challenge? Um, no, I really just had a goal of, the not my goal, but the university can make an impact and bigger than just trying to figure out, you know, next semester. Because I think we oftentimes, which is, it's totally understandable. Me too. We get caught in the fact of, we didn't see this coming. This is a pandemic. We've been in our house for now going on. I don't even know what day it is, um, what's happening next semester. And so I just feel like my personal goal was just to see a positive light from this pandemic, which is, is so hard to do. I understand. But um, that I feel like this is a great way to show that there is some light somewhere um, in the season that we're in, and we can still make it impact. We still are belonging to a bigger community and this pandemic is bigger than us so with us focusing on football next semester um school yes that we have to evaluate those circumstances but also everyone is dealing with this and so um evaluating or realizing what others are going through and trying to help them as well i think will help us be more content about our convert i mean our situation and be more level-headed when it comes to um, coming into the mindset of this new reality or how things are going to look um, in the upcoming season. But also, I would really love if we create um, hundreds of videos. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all the questions that I had for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Of course. Thank you, Erin, for having me. The coronavirus has affected almost all aspects of our daily lives, from simply going out to eat with some friends to going to work to buying groceries. Everyone has felt the effects of this disease in some way. In Columbia, many departments on the University of South Carolina's campus have also been dealing with the effects of COVID-19. USC's theater department, for example, has had to alter, cancel, or postpone many of their productions, leaving many theater students to have to practice their acting skills without an audience. Lily Hyderi is just one of the many theater students still grappling with the unexpected changes brought on by the coronavirus. Lily is president of Green Room Productions, USC's undergraduate theater organization, whose main event is Grindhouse, a student theater festival that happens once every semester and was slated this year for March 21st and 22nd. Fortunately for Lily and the rest of Green Room Productions, their plans were upended and Grindhouse had to be canceled due to concerns over the spread of coronavirus. Lily Hyderi is here with us today. Lily, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Lily, just tell me a little bit about Grindhouse and what the production was going to look like this year. Yeah, so Grindhouse is Green Room's um, once a semester theater festival, and it's all student produced theater. So it's student written sketches and scenes, directed, acted, cast, crew, everything's by students for students. And usually we have about like 
about five to ten student written scenes that are about ten minutes long. So it's a pretty awesome festival that we usually have. But um, we had we had set it for March 21st and 22nd. And we were just gearing up the process of preparing and rehearsing and directing. And it was all very exciting. But, you know, then spring break hit. And we originally tried to postpone it for later in the semester. But then once the entire semester got canceled, we were just like, okay, you know, we'll revisit this in the fall if we can. And if not, you know, on, on to the next. Yeah, that must have been really tough. When did you know that it was probably best to cancel Grindhouse this year? And what was that decision like? Yeah, it was pretty hard because at the beginning of the year, like in August, we have to rent the theater that we're going to have Grindhouse in. And we usually use Benson Theater, which is also used by other organizations like Off Off Broadway. And it's also used by the theater department for other productions and rehearsals. So we had secured this weekend um, at the very beginning of the first semester. Uh, so when the when spring break got extended the first time, we were like, okay, we can probably find another weekend. So we started coordinating with stage managers to find another weekend, maybe in, at the end of April to do it. But it just coincided with too much that the second time that USC extended spring break, we were like, okay, I think this is time to just cancel. Yeah. And so so you mentioned a little bit about some other theater organizations on campus. You said Off Off Broadway. Um, I understand that you're pretty involved in the theater community in Columbia as well, not just you know, with Grindhouse and with Green Room, but with some other theater productions, do you know anything about how these organizations are dealing with these sudden changes? Yeah, I know of two other organizations at the moment. Um, there was Full Circle Productions, and they're a USC affiliate organization. Um, they've had a production for Midsummer Night's Dream set for this summer, but I, I believe they're just having to postpone it till they're able to rehearse. But they were also using Benson Theater for rehearsals. Um, Trustus Theater also has had to cancel a number of their productions. And I know they had Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson going on, which is an awesome musical. And thankfully, they're able to save that for next season. So they started their run back in March, and they're just going to postpone the rest of the performances to the fall, but I know a lot of their productions, they've just had to straight up cancel, which is so awful for them. But um, like a lot of theaters around the world, they're doing uh, a live series where they're like live streaming past productions, which is cool and a good way to raise money, but you know, not the same as in person. Yeah. I understand that some theater productions are doing some virtual shows that they are streaming on different social media sites. Uh, do you know anything about any organizations in Columbia doing something like this? Yeah, um, Trustus Theater's live streaming has been not them doing live theater, but like streaming past performances that, that they just had ah, okay. recorded. So, so no actual no actual live performances happening. Yeah, not that I know of, except for actually the Mothers Comedy Group. Um, at Trustus, they're like a sketch and improv group. I believe they've been doing some live shows which is impressive, but I think there's some editing that goes into it. Okay, so so moving back to the university a little bit, how have theater professors been dealing with the move to online instruction as opposed to in-person instruction? Because I know that you know theater is a very involved craft that involves a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah, it's for sure been a challenge. Um, I really admire all the professors that have been able to adapt so well. But I know, at least for me, I was in uh, the theater direction class. So 
we directing is such a in-person thing like actively directing students doing scenes right in front of you um and instead of us performing our scenes that we were directing at the end of the year we usually have like a live showcase for everything instead of that we transformed our final project into creating a video where we had testimonials about what theater means to us and what we look forward to when we get back to the world of creating theater. So that's been something, at least, transforming the beginnings of projects into, you know, things that we can do virtually. Um, I know for sure the other classes, like physical acting, have had trouble doing their, you know, work. Um, I don't really know what they've been doing. I know they've been meeting over Zoom a little bit. And other classes, like speech, have been definitely transferred online but you know not the same as in person yeah yeah and what do you think the hardest experience you know or what what, what is the hardest part about this experience for you and other theater students um well our directing class actually met over zoom about once a week uh since going online and that was a great way to just it was a great time to talk about all the problems that we were having and what we missed most about theater. And the consensus kind of was the hardest part for all of us was just not being able to create theater together in the same way that we had been because it's just such an in-person physical thing, feeling the energy of a live room reacting to what's on stage. So the hardest part for sure is just grieving the opportunities lost, you know, our shows that got canceled and not being able to be together in person. Um, that's definitely the hardest part. Yeah. And so you're a rising senior. You're supposed to graduate next year, correct? Correct. Yeah. And so so what's the plan for you, the upcoming semester for you? I mean, will, will Grindhouse be back? Uh, what do you plan on doing to prepare yourself for post-grad? Yeah. Um, hopefully Grindhouse is still on. <clears throat> we... Uh, Green Room's board usually meets, <clears throat> excuse me, meets at the beginning of August to figure everything out. So I think we're just waiting for the for the go ahead from the theater department to see um, what their plan is and follow their lead to see if productions are going to be back this fall. I actually have no idea. And I really hope that they are because I know I heard rumors about a really cool season planned. So if if they've got productions up, Grindhouse will for sure follow. And if not, we were thinking about doing something maybe outside, like an outside theater, maybe at the Riverwalk or something where people can like appropriately social distance and still enjoy theater. Um, and yeah, just, you know, going through the last few semesters. Um, Post-grad plans, for me, I'm not quite sure yet, but I, I was gonna have an internship in Atlanta this summer with a theater, but due to a lot of logistical and health concerns, that's, not the plan for me anymore but hopefully I can revisit that next summer and um pursue theater in the Atlanta area so that's my plan for now yeah and I think you're definitely not alone there with uh the internships getting canceled and everything I think people across all departments have been have been dealing with these issues um does you think do you think that there's you know any way that within the next semester or a year that the theater department might be able to return to normal I sure hope so. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure because I know, I know a lot of theaters are looking to Broadway and to larger systems to see what they're doing and how they're dealing with coronavirus and everything. And now that Broadway's shut, you know, for a few more months, um, I'm not sure what that world's going to look like. Whether it's 
you know, only having productions in the larger theaters on campus and spreading out seat-wise, I think that could be for sure uh, an opportunity. And I don't know what that means about, you know, for smaller theaters on campus like the Lab or the CPE, which are wonderful places. Um, and maybe it will go back to normal or maybe it'll just be reduced capacity. Um, and I think audiences and performers will definitely feel that, you know, energy reduction in the room. But I think all of us are just itching to get back on stage and do anything we can to, to give that back. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is awesome. That was Lily Hyderi, theater student and president of USC's Green Room Productions. One of the hardest parts of the coronavirus pandemic for USC students has been the cancellation or postponement of some meaningful events. The most obvious example is, of course, graduation. Commencement exercises, which were scheduled for early May, were originally postponed to August 7th and 8th. But since the coronavirus outbreak has since shown no signs of slowing, USC President Bob Caslin announced this past week that commencement would in fact be canceled. Lyric Swinton is just one of many seniors still grappling with the fact that they won't be walking across the stage. And for first-generation students like her, it's an even harder reality to come to grips with. Lyric Swinton is here with us today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so Lyric, tell me a little bit about how you found USC and how you've made a home out of the campus. Um, my route to USC was very unconventional. Um... I am a first-generation college student, and um, when I was deciding on colleges, USC was actually my dead last choice, Um, but um, I was really fortunate that right when I was about to, like, put a deposit down for another university, um, a letter came in the mail saying that um, I had gotten accepted into the Opportunity Scholars and Gamecock Guarantee Program here, which basically paid for my entire education, so I was able to go to USC without a major financial burden, which I'm extremely grateful for. So that's how I got here. Um, it took me a while to kind of really find my um, my niche. And um, I really kind of played around with a few different things until eventually I really found my home, um, I would say, in student government. Um, I was in student government for three out of four years of my college career. Um, and that experience, I, do, I did a lot from being co-director of diversity and inclusion to the first secretary of inclusion and equity to serving um, on our congressional advisory board um, that advocates to the South Carolina delegation on Capitol Hill to advocate for first generation college students, which was super, super cool. Um, And I've also found my home (laughs) through activism. Um, I was a huge part of the presidential search protest that happened um, this time last year, actually, um, as well as I was involved in Garnet Media Group during my senior year. So I started a podcast called The Patchwork Feminist, and we had two extremely great seasons um, that I'm extremely proud of. And yeah, and there's a million other things that I've done. Um, I was a resident mentor. Um, I was a part of 
a musical theater and a vocal jazz ensemble. Um, I did basically everything there is to think of at the university. So um, I just really found my home by just trying new things. Um, I I didn't say no a lot, which was sometimes really good, but it was also sometimes really bad. Uh, I just really kind of like jumped right in and did everything that there was to do. I worked for um, Gamecock Athletics for a while. I was doing 12, 14 hour days at the stadium on football game day. Um, Worked for, you know, during basketball season, baseball. So, so, I mean, the, the coronavirus pandemic has really affected many students from all walks of life. Um, but you in particular, you know, a first-generation student, someone who's very involved on campus, it must have really been tough for you coming to grips of the current reality. You know, when did you first start to realize that this could really impact the end of your senior year? Um, I started to first hear wind of it, um, I would say during spring break. Um, and I was actually here on campus. I was on campus and I was with Hannah. So she was doing some transition stuff in the student government office. And I think I was helping out cause I also had some stuff to do. Um, obviously, like, like I said, a bonafide student leader, I didn't go anywhere for spring break. I, I still had some work from you. So that's what I was doing. But then like you would see on the televisions, people started talking about this, like coronavirus and then the spring break extension it was weird but like nobody really kind of thought anything of it and then when they were like we weren't coming back to campus i was like oh my gosh like this is super real um and so like it was hard like it's still hard to come to grips with like i can't honestly say that i've come to grips with all of it like I'm 100% okay with all of everything that's happened. I think I'm me, like everybody else, is just trying to do the best that they can. Um, trying to adapt everything the best that way that we can. Um, and I tried to, I mean, like there was like two weeks where I was just like, I'm giving up on school and like, I'm just going to do my yeah. work and like, that's it. But then like, you remember who you are and you remember like why you love this university and so like I tried I picked the podcast back up I was like how can we record without our studio um and different things and like two um the university has helped me so much from when I wanted to study abroad to when I needed a summer internship like this yeah yeah so you're not you're not at all you know upset with how the university has handled the situation at all most things I'm definitely happy with how the university uh, dealt with, except for graduation. Um, I feel like I would have just rather it had been canceled outright when all the other schools are canceling, and we would have known we had a virtual where we're gonna have a virtual commencement rather than re rescheduling and then postponing. That was a, a big blow, and it was like reopening old wounds all over again and it's, it was hurtful it's painful um it's still painful um i had finally decided to order my cap and gown literally two days before that announcement came out because i had held off because i was just like oh, wow. i don't know yeah i had just decided to finally order a cap and gown and just like now i mean obviously like maybe for sentimental purposes is great but it's almost it's also going to be a reminder of a graduation day that i'll never get to have so I really have been very, um, I would say, supportive of how the university has handled a lot of the things as far as coronavirus. But that one I'm slightly salty about, um, for sure. But I think that everybody is definitely 
doing the best that they can. Um, I always like I've seen something, a quote that's been going around. It's like we're not working from home like we are going through a traumatic experience and we're at our homes while we're working. Um, everybody's doing the best that they can. So I try to show grace in that area for sure. Yeah. So what alternatives do you think maybe the university could have taken that may have made the graduation experience better? I would have just canceled, honestly. Like, I think, like, I would have just canceled and then just, like, went ahead and say, okay, we're doing virtual commencement. Because the thing is, basically every institution is doing it. Like, I don't think anybody would have been mad at USC specifically. Everybody would have just been mad at the virus just because everywhere that was happening. But for us to reschedule... And then cancel again. I think that's where people are mad at USC. Like, um, it's very specific and it's very targeted. Um, and then you have the thing is like, there's talking about there's possible football coming back with fans, but we can't have commencement. And I don't know the ins and outs of that. I know that everything is a maybe right now. Everything is like up in the air. Nothing is determined. And I mean, like, everything is basically we are living in a week by week. Um, basis these days uh, and just watching like reported cases and deaths and things of that nature so I understand that nothing's set in stone but I just think that the optics of how everything looked really bad and it didn't look well thought through and I think a lot of people a lot of families are hurt and upset I know that I'm truly hurt I'm a first generation college student that day meant a lot to me uh, a lot to me a lot to my family and the fact that I won't have it um, it really sucks yeah and so you and uh, vice president Hannah White actually started a podcast um, that went on for 24 hours straight to raise money for students who've been impacted by COVID-19. Tell me a little bit about how that podcast came to be and what that was like. Cool. Yeah. Um, So some people know this, some people don't know this. Hannah's my best friend. Um, We actually got paired together last year for freshman council. Um, I was her mentor and she's my mentee. Um, and then we ended up becoming like the best of friends and, um, I was, she helped me on my campaign when I ran for student body president. I, um, was the senior advisor, chief advisor on her campaign when she ran for student body vice president. Um, so we have a very great relationship. And after she got elected, um, I remember she was just like, she was kind of figuring out like, how do you really lead virtually? Like they didn't have an inauguration. Like, so like, how do you lead virtually? Um, when like you're not on campus and you can't do the things that you know you had originally planned and that were in your platform to implement you can't do those right now because you're not on campus um and then i on the other hand i was really kind of i said i've done so much at the university what more can like how do i like some do like one last thing to show the most love to this institution that's given me so much and like i was really just for reflecting on my legacy at this university and I was trying to figure out a way to get back. I said, I'm looking for a way to serve, but I couldn't think of it. And Hannah says, a podcast-a-thon. And I said, okay, cool. Um, but she originally kind of pitched the idea just for me to do it. And I was like, no, like I'm not going to be up for 24 hours by myself. So Hannah's also launched a podcast called 1801 Live on behalf of student government. So both of us had our podcast, and we, we put that thing together in a week. Um and a lot of the guests got finalized maybe a day, two days before. And we really just had a loft. I had, well, I'm the dreamer. Um, 
and then like Hannah's like the big on logistics, but I was a big dreamer on this one. Um, and I just had a thought of like, there's nobody that I can't get. Like, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to people who I think that I can't even lock down, um, find a way. I utilized every connection that I've gathered um, over the last four years. And just like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And um, Hannah reached out to her own connections. And like, we just literally, we made a list of all the people we wanted to invite. And we just really just hoped for the best. And it came together. Um, and, I was, and how much money? How much money did you eventually raise by the end of it? Three thousand five hundred and seventy-five dollars and twenty-two cents. Three thousand five hundred dollars to raise money for coronavirus. Well, lyric, that is absolutely amazing. I definitely, definitely, you know, applaud what you have done, um, raising awareness for students who have been affected by the coronavirus, and it must be very tough. Uh, you and many other first-generation students who have had to give up graduation um, because of this pandemic. Thank you so much, Lyric, for joining us today and everything that you have done for raising awareness for the coronavirus. Thank you. No problem. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Head Start. Tune in every other Monday at 8 a.m. to get a head start on the week's latest news. Head Start is a part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find other Garnet Media Group podcasts and student work on garnetmedia.org. From Columbia, South Carolina, I'm Moore Jollis. And I'm Erin Slowing. Have a great week.